Welcome to this week's Two Men in the Middle. This is where two men in the middle of the country get together and talk about politics, current events, and other fun stuff. I'm Craig Huey. I'm Brandon Kinnig. Brandon, we missed last week's pod, and at the pace that information moves these days, we, we decided instead of trying to pick three main topics, we'll just do kind of a rapid-fire like lightning dozen round. Topics, just yeah. as many things as we could think of that's happened over the, next, over the last two weeks. And inevitably, we're going to leave some stuff out, but things that are top of mind that's happened in, in, in the news cycle. There's been so much. I was traveling for work last week, so it was a little bit hectic, and then get back this week, and <laughs> it seems like an eternity has passed. But agreed. Let's start with uh, Fox News and the Dominion lawsuit, because that was settled this week, and a little bit unexpected, because uh, I think many people were hoping for a trial, wanted to get people like Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson um, under oath to answer questions. Of course, that did not happen. But what did happen was one of the largest settlements in history for this type of case. Beaten only by Alex Jones. Yeah. So it, first off, on, on this Fox lawsuit and Fox lawsuits going forward, they are, they're all going to settle. We're not going to have this cathartic moment where you have in one day, you know, Lou Dobbs, Judge Judy, uh, um, uh, Hannity, Tucker. They're not going to line up their talent along with 92-year-old Rupert Murdoch and put them on the stand. No, as much as we'd like that to happen. If you're looking for that cathartic moment where somebody from Fox says, I was wrong, that is never going to happen. You know, if that did happen, though, that would get like O.J. Simpson numbers in terms of viewership. I mean, (laughs) that would be like whole other level. Again, I would love for that to happen. It's not going to. And the settlement in this case was just shy of $800 million, I believe. Something like that. Something like that. But we still have the Smartmatic loss and they're True. suing for like $2.7 billion. Again, that'll be settled, but there's more lawsuits to come. So a couple of things on the lawsuit it- itself. They sued for $1.6 billion, but Dominion's only a company that has revenue of about $17 million. So there was really no way they could show the type of financial damages on $17 million in revenue to get to the $1.6 billion. Yeah. So I think the general consensus is coming in right under eight hundred million. This is still a huge, significant. It's as about as good as it could get. Yeah. Um, Smartmatic is about one hundred and fifty million a year. They're a little bit of a bigger entity. They're not going to hit anywhere new near that two point seven billion. But I'm assuming they're angling for something around that seven hundred and fifty to a billion uh, range that uh, that Dominion was in. Right. And do not look for Smartmatic to hold the line to make Fox accountable for the safety uh, and security of our democracy. That is not how these things function. You're not going to get that big cathartic release of Fox talent saying they were wrong, admitting they lied. That is never going to happen. Or even Fox News and anything. If you looked at the statement they released. Correct, I mean, which is a joke. It was completely a joke. And it was over the top and hyperbole saying that we have always maintained the highest journalistic standards. No, clearly you did not. Fox <laughs> has $4 billion in cash they've set aside to handle all of these lawsuits. They will use that money to pay off and bring all of these things to as quiet of a conclusion And they make as billions they can. a year in revenue as well. It will so. not hurt them in revenue. Right. They will not lose one viewer, and they will not change their behavior at all. And if I'm a viewer of Fox— You're not going to even know about this. Well, and if I do, I see it as a positive. Basically, if I'm a viewer, I see Fox learned the lesson. They tried to go in a different direction than me, an audience member, wanted. When we yanked their chain, they came to heel. So this will only bond 
Fox's viewers tighter to Fox. Fox News is going absolutely nowhere, and they will continue to dominate the ratings for cable news like they currently do. But you don't think this will make Fox think twice before allowing you know this type of lies and these type of promoters to go on their network in the future, knowing that this is going to be a... Uh, risk for them. Dan Bongino was let go today. Yes, he was just fired. So we don't know if that was part of an ongoing contract agreement they just couldn't reach a a settlement on or if that is part to this. I can see them maybe releasing some more kind of B-level talent. Um, Judge Jean uh, Perino and Maria Bartoloma are on allegedly on the chopping block. I could see getting rid of um, of those folks, but nothing's really going to happen. Maria Bartiromo in particular is very crazy. She, like, is, she actually step a little closer to your mic, Brandon. Oh yeah, sorry. Maria Bartiromo is very crazy. I mean, she actually believes in all of that insanity. Yeah, she she's nuts. Pull your put your thing a little bit closer down. There we go. Okay. She there. used to refer to herself, I think, on was it CNBC as the money honey. Yeah, she she's an absolute disaster. I could see them jettisoning off some of their mid-tier talent as a way to say, hey, we did take corrective actions to this. And these are the people in the lawsuit. Lou Dobbs, who was fired in 2021, the judge and um, Maria Bartoloma were 90 percent of the of the defamatory phrases came out of those three folks. Right. So I could see as you move forward. The other thing, too, the, the, another wave of lawsuits, shareholder lawsuits are coming next. So I can also see them wanting to shore themselves up with their own shareholders to say, listen, we have taken the corrective steps, not out of some journalistic um, uh, professional ethics, but basically just to make give their position to shore it up as they move through these lawsuits is what firing those people would do. So I would expect Fox to make a few nibbles around the edge on some of the talent that was involved a lot with this, but none of their high-level talent, and none of them will ever see a courtroom. Do you think this has any impact on their insurability when it comes to insurance, um, liability in the future? When you can come up with $4 cash, why do you need an insurance policy? We'll just pay our way out of these. that's true. And, And there's no amount of settlement they can't pay. So if you're looking for this to be the demise of Fox, this will not be the demise of Fox. I was talking to somebody about that because they're like, this seems like a huge settlement that has the ability to financially cripple them. And no. then when I you know, showcase that their annual revenues yeah. and, and net income, they're like, oh, th- that's not – I mean, it's just no. – it's unfathomable no. when you realize in the grand scheme of things how much money they actually bring in. And they've run the numbers. They know $4 billion will cover this because yeah. you're going to have to pay some people out of some contracts and some other stuff. But this will not – this will not move the needle at Fox if you have an expectation that they would tack more back towards the center or they would get away from some more of this inflammatory opinion. That is absolutely not going to happen. And again, if you're looking for accountability, if you're looking at something in the form of punishment that's actually going to hurt, this isn't it. The net the net, net to this of Fox, one of them is going to be they're going to maintain or increase their viewership and their core audience is now strapped to them in a way that they will never leave. So so you don't think they're in danger of losing out to OAN or Newsmax in the future if those entities try to go harder and faster than Fox and crazier? So one of the things that Dominion and Smart Tech will do is they will probably bankrupt OAN and, and um, Newsmax. Oh, those can easily be yeah, done. Yeah, they don't have the revenue. Yeah, that, they have yeah. massive lawsuits against them that are coming next. I don't suspect. Oh, you're right. So this this I don't will think really survive. end up helping Fox in the end because it'll 
destroy their competition, it's and they nothing, will have the entire market <laughs> at that point. Brandon, it's what we call the triple win. Yeah, there's if you think Fox is truly concerned about this, I just don't think they are. Rupert Murdoch is 92 years old. He will never see the inside of a courtroom under oath. It will never happen. And there is no sum of money that these people could sue Fox for that they cannot pay it off. So That's a good point. It, it's, is it disappointing? No, because the only people that are disappointed are people that were looking for the, a civil lawsuit, not a criminal lawsuit, but a civil lawsuit to bring this sense of democratic justice. Folks, civil lawsuits are about money. And that's what this is about. And Always Smartmatic, that's what the next one is about. So if you're looking for the demise of Fox, you're going to have to look elsewhere. These lawsuits just simply aren't, aren't going to do it. Agreed. What's your lightning round topic, Brandon? Uh, oh, in terms of next topic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, before we get too kind of far into this week's topics, I, because I do think there's so much relevant this week to talk about. Um, I do want to spend uh, just a little bit of time on the uh, spy that was arrested, so the hacker. Um, so for months now, there's been this chase to find who was releasing all of these national intelligence um, secrets on the war in Ukraine and how that was progressing. It was a huge embarrassment to the U.S. government and to the military. And we find out now it's a 21-year-old uh, National Guardsman from Massachusetts who was involved in this, who was really kind of a gamer and trying to impress yeah. a group of friends. And um, I guess it was interesting because I watched when they uh, they pulled up and arrested him at his home in real time on TV, which was a little bit surreal watching that live. But I guess what I'm most shocked about is the fact that, A, it took this long to uncover who he was, and then the fact that the media got to – him and identified him before he was actually arrested. Yeah. It was a New York Times that showed up on his doorstep, and then it felt like the government was a little bit embarrassed by that, and so then they swooped in and actually arrested him. And so it, there, there's so many questions. And then the fact everybody's asking, like, how did he have access to this? It gets back to that question, like, are we giving access to top intelligence to too many people? You know, do we not have as high of a clearance yeah. as we should, as restrictive of a clearance? Because, I mean, it doesn't sound like this kid needed or should have had that based on his um, role and status and who he was. And so it's it's kind of frustrating and from that aspect i'll say i think that the two things that always hit me when these document leak scandals hit number one i heard there's 1.3 million people with a top secret clearance that's ridiculous that's and an insane number why yes. any 21 year old and he was in it and i thought that's why he had the clearance so first off way too many, many people have the top clearance way too many documents are designated as top clearance that whole process obviously needs to be reviewed yeah. The second one is you and I have hung around tech long enough to know there is absolutely a way that you can digitize and present documents that is extremely secure. Oh, yeah. Like they never Encrypt find a them. printed form. They're all encrypted. They're right. biometric to the people that are supposed to see them. This is a problem that technology solved decades ago that the problem is in its implementation. Right. And if we want to get more serious about this – we can change process and technology anytime we want and cut this down tremendously. 
We just don't seem to have the will to want to do that. We can solve this problem. But the other thing I have is like, why did it take so long to identify him? I mean, this began happening in December when these leaks became public. And we're now in April. And I mean, it took this long. I mean, I just, I feel like, again, online sleuths, could do a better job of finding out i mean and really it was the people in this chat room who were disturbed by the type yeah. of information he was given they're the ones that, that divulged and this information i don't know what a discord server is i'm assuming it's a server that hosts a specific game or gaming platform right. that people log in and play an online private game server together yeah. a private server but you're right these sat out there for months and months and months and it just goes to highlight, once that stuff gets out of the environment that it's supposed to be you in— You can't control it. Very hard to control, very hard to track down. But there is some traceability there to get back to origin, and I just—I don't know. Again, I feel like it's one of those where we're caught—and uh, I say we in terms of like our government national security apparatus looking embarrassed with kind of egg on our face, like, how did this happen to begin with? And our allies around the world who are looking at this, and they're like, really? Like, come on. <laughs> how about this is real simple. No documents are ever printed that have a top-secret— encryption yeah. seal on them. They are only able to be read off certain devices provided by the government that are biometrically assigned to the person who's supposed to see them. Well, yeah, why can't we do that? 99% of this problem goes away. It feels like everybody prints these things off. It just carries them around. Well, and they them. said that these are sent via email. And I'm like, really? We're sending national security information via email? And they're going out to like, uh, you know, large swaths of people who aren't even connected to it anyway, but just because they're in the armed services, they get access? Like, no, why? I mean, why? (laughs) Like, there's no reason for that. Brandon, the average age of government right now is like 163. I'm going to pick on my mother a little bit here and just lump her in and just say the olds in general. They want to print everything off and have a physical record of everything they look at. My mom was very disappointed the other day when she learned she cannot print off all of her receipts from Amazon. They just exist (laughs) electronically. Why is this stuff existing in physical form, too, is a head-scratcher. Right. I mean, this isn't 1959 anymore. It's not. Uh, So uh, that's actually a good segue into another rapid-fire topic when we're talking about age. Uh, I'd like to talk about (laughs) Dianne Feinstein, uh, who is kind of a hot topic right now in the Senate, because she is 89, correct? Yeah, yeah, she's 89. 89. Um, She has not been showing up since the beginning of the year i think february essentially um and this is creating problems because she's on the judiciary committee yeah and they do not have enough members to confirm biden's judicial nominees which are now stalled so if we get to a point at the end of biden's terms where he isn't able to appoint his nominees and get them in the judiciary at the rate that trump was it's going to be diane feinstein's fault because she will not give up her seat um, and she's floated this idea of having a temporary replacement, which Republicans balked at. And they're like, we're not going to go with that. We're I, not, why would we help I agree you? with it. I'm not solving your right. problem. We're not going to solve your problem. But it's been interesting because more and more Democrats in the House and Senate have uh, become more vocal and calling for her to resign. And and I agree. I mean, if you've read the reports, the New York Times had a very damning article last year, which we dis- I think either discussed or we've talked about, where um, her, her colleagues, she doesn't even recognize them, forgets their names. Yeah. She is not all there at all mentally. Like, there is no reason for her to still be in the Senate. 
But I saw Kristen Gillibrand go on one of the Sunday shows and defend her and turn this into a, a man Sexist versus woman thing. <laughs> we, we, as Democrats, we have played the intersectional game that we've backed ourselves in a hole where we can't look at each other and say an 86-year-old who cannot recognize her colleagues, who doesn't know where she's at half the time, and has not been to work since January, which is causing real problems, we can't say she's too old and we're going to get rid of her. We have backed ourselves into this spot where we're so concerned over how do we connect the dots to other affected groups and everything is is classist, ageist, pick whatever ist you want, that we can't do the most obvious thing, which is tell Dianne Feinstein, thank you for your however many decades of service and be gone. Yeah, why is that so hard? And this gets to a broader problem, even beyond politics and, and business and in law, where you have boomers that do not want to give up power and retire. And I mean, they are literally get to the point where competency becomes a factor Absolutely. and they don't give it up. There was another article, which I don't know if you saw, federal uh, appeals court judge who's 93, where her colleagues had to intervene and they've yeah. asked for a motion to force her to retire because of she's incompetent. She's 93 years old competency issues and it's like if you have a case before the court of appeals do you want a 93 year old who um, has competency issues deciding your faith give me a break and hey democrats we've just started to get gen z and millennials on our side and involved another way to help that and continue that trend is show them we're not going to let somebody that old and who has deteriorated to that degree sit in these positions It's just not, it's, it's ridiculous. And there's so many of these in the house and Senate now. I mean, you have Mitch McConnell, who's 82, who fell down and he was out for a while because of a fall. Um, You have Chuck Grassley, who was just reelected. At 89. 89. He ran for Senate at 89. He's going to be 94 when he's up for re-election again, if he's still alive. Like, I mean, this is just so insane. It's we have crazy. There's no other time in our nation's history where we've had more septuagenarians and octogenarians in Congress than we do now. <laughs> That's just how crazy it is. Like, how, why? I don't... How, I'm with you. And Brandon, as a younger person, I think you would support this. If I were king of the United States, I would start force retiring generations yeah. of people. We, we've got to get out of the way and let the younger folks come behind us and grab the wheel. Some polling outfit sent me a uh, tech survey last week, uh, ironically, because it was very relevant to what's going on, asking if I support mental competency exams for office holders over the age of 75. And it's hard to argue oh, with 75? that. 75? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. God. All right. I'll do the next topic. It seems like nobody is even going to put up a fight against Trump running for the Republican nomination. Mike Pompeo this week said, ah, I'm not in. That that was the best decision he could make. Yeah. He has no chance. He has, not he has no lane. And Ron DeSantis, it's not, I don't think he's ruined his chances yet, but he certainly has, has confirmed every fear everybody had about him. Running. Wait, Ron DeSantis is it a fighter? I think I, God created a fighter, didn't he? He, he created him. <laughs> God created him specifically for this moment, Brandon. Again, if I'm his his campaign manager, I just tell me when, but I get to punch you in the nuts one time as hard as I can for that. Nothing seems to be coming easy for Ron. I think Ron thought, hey, we make some phone calls. We, we show up to a couple of locations. We make some speeches. The ball starts rolling, and I'm off and running. 
And I, I don't understand everything Ron DeSantis is doing right now is to try to get to Trump's right um, with the base, which makes him just like horrible in a general election, like pe- mm-hmm. signing the six-week abortion ban, Terrible. which is not something he wanted to do. He wanted the 15-week ban, and then you know they moved ahead with six weeks. No, no, no. no. Ron DeSantis gets exactly what he wants in Florida. Well, that's true. I nobody, should say nobody, nobody steps on his agenda. No, he wanted the six. It's, week and back. let's let's be honest; it's a rubber stamp legislature. 100%. They do whatever he wants. But again, that's not going to play well in general. I mean, it doesn't even play well in Florida, which had one of the most permissive abortion laws in the South. So I don't understand the the game here because, and if you think back to Trump in 2016, like Trump's appeal isn't like this far right persona. Trump's appeal is that he fights to win Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's all based on um, this personality. It's not based on ideas. And that's why Trump is effectively poking at him right now and saying that, you know, he's failing, especially in regards to this war against Disney, which (laughs) the rhetoric heated up again this week, because now after Disney was able to circumvent his takeover of that improvement board, um, he this week he came out and basically speculated that he would build another theme park next door to Disney or a prison ostensibly or raise taxes or make the the toll uh, create toll roads on leading into Disney to make it so cost um, deterrent for uh, customers, which first of all, all of this is ridiculous and it's all posturing to the base. But second, like none of this, all of these things he's talking about, this would hurt customers trying to come to Disney. It would hurt families. Like, like why would you propose something that's going to hurt families? Like the people whose votes you need and hurt your own state. Disney has half a million employees in the state of Florida. If they came out tomorrow and said, we're leaving, we're going to go to Arizona or we're going to go to South Carolina. Just say we've stopped all new. We will not do anything new in the state of Florida. Yeah. Like, I mean, it would be detrimental to the entire Florida economy. I I think, Ron's biggest problem is the product he's selling doesn't fit the market he's selling it to. Yeah. Because because of his actions in Florida, he branded himself MAGA. And his plan was, I think he thought Trump was going to win 2020. He'd sit in Florida for his final term. He slide in after Trump. He's the heir apparent. It's not when, going to, according to plan. When Trump lost, now he has to come up with a voter acquisition strategy to take Trump voters away from Trump. And his first idea was, well, I'm Trump without the tweets. I'm Trump light. I'm, I'm all the good part of the policy and none of the bad things that you like about Trump. Not realizing that to the base, that is what they like about Trump. Right. The cruelty, the, being cruel and mean is the point. Right. That's what they're after. It's the shock value. Correct. It's, yeah. So he doesn't fit in with the, let's just call it 30% that are MAGA, that are tied to Trump in a way that they're not, he's not going to be able to peel them off. And he doesn't have the charisma of he Trump, does if not. you can call it that. The other thing too is, I, I like to use the percentage, there's about 20%, I'm going to say, of traditional Republicans left. These are Ronald Reagan, Mitt Romney-style Republicans. Yeah. He, he's a non-starter with them. Right. The stuff that he's done in Florida, this is not traditional conservatism. Chris Christie made that point, I think, very yep. well this week. Well, this and is it, not how conservatives govern. The bad news got worse for him this week. You had one of his largest donors pull his support yeah. over the six-week abortion yep. ban, the social stuff. You have several other donors that were just hounding his campaign over a conference call, saying yeah. this is what they signed up for. They said if we wanted Trump, we would have voted for yeah. Trump. So that's where he's caught in this catch-22 because he's trying to be more Trump than Trump. Trump. But the problem is in a primary with Trump, 
their voters are not going to choose Trump light when they sure. can have the real thing. And then I think there's 50 percent of the of the Republican Party that we'll call them Republican leaning independents. Hey, if the Republican Party got its shit together, these people would snap right back in in a moment because they're right. conservative by nature and they're just looking for a, a viable candidate to come along. He can't play to those folks either. The six week ban on abortion, the extreme approach to Disney, the where you go after cruise ships and say, you know, it's illegal for you to require people to wear masks. He alienated that crowd years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about anti-business. I mean, that's just – and I I have a a good friend in Florida who's a political consultant who's part of the the Never Trump faction now but still very tied close to Florida politics. And, you know, he was telling me that if you – the Florida electorate really warmed up to to him during the pandemic because he kept the state open, made sure that those jobs didn't go away. He was rewarded for that re-election. It was based um, mostly on the economic – success that he was able to show so everything he's done since then um in terms of crt and anti-disney and all the woke stuff um i think there's even some question of whether or not floridians even appreciate or like that yeah um let alone the rest of the country but uh one thing that this uh consultant brought up too is that if you want to know the brains behind his operation it's his wife who used to be a former i've heard reporter so thank carrie lake but much more savvy or styles herself as savvy um so she is the one that makes the decisions so ron doesn't do anything without her input but you know it, it does call into question whether or not there's going to be a course change because none of this is working. No. And we, we've talked about this before, but it doesn't take a lot of political talent in Florida to beat Charlie Chris by 20 points. No. His, his whitewashing of Charlie Chris was to be expected. It was no indication of elite level talent, political talent that would transfer to a federal election. Well, and, and Charlie Chris was not someone who the Democrats were energized about coming out to support. No. I mean, Democratic turnout was depressed from prior election cycles as well because there wasn't a groundswell of enthusiasm for Chris. And hated by every Republican in the state because he switched parties and apparently 20 years ago screwed everybody when he, when he did it. I was actually kind of surprised that Chris won over Nikki Freind, I think yeah. as you say, the, yeah. who was the ag that. commissioner, because she was the big Democratic activist yeah. person in the party who I thought could galvanize Democrats. Uh, <clears throat> but you're right. I mean, that election should not be taken as anything outside of Florida in terms of having any relevance. And the question is, and he has yet to show you need to be able to glad hand and to rub elbows yeah. and shake hands and kiss babies in Iowa, New Hampshire, and these states. He doesn't have a propensity to do that. He's not warm and fuzzy. Um, he's very mercurial, um, standoffish. He doesn't like people generally. He doesn't have any close friends. Uh, so I don't know how he's going to run a national campaign the way that you have to to win. I mean, he doesn't have that that factor that he needs to be successful. Well, and a practical example of that we heard this week is people are starting to come out and endorse Trump yeah. for president. He he needs to get on that now. He needs to have people, senators, congressmen, governors endorsing him. 
he makes starts making calls. The campaign starts making calls into into Congress, and it's his head pollster that's calling congressmen, asking them to endorse Ron DeSantis. You've been around political <laughs> campaigns. That is a call from the candidate. Yeah, not from the pollster. So you want my endorsement? You don't have your buddy call me and say, no. "Hey, I really think that's that's an example." That's of amateurish. Him yeah. Either not understanding that that's not how that works, or not being comfortable, kind of in that in that space. Well, he's not going to make headway if he's not comfortable. I mean, he was already blindsided and embarrassed this week when several Florida politicos came out and endorsed Trump over him and went on the record very directly and said that, you know, they're not close to him, that he has been difficult to work with, that they have no loyalty to DeSantis despite being from the same state. I mean, pretty damning statements from people in your own state and your own party. So I think there still might be something to the theory I talked about last time that he's waiting for Biden to get in so he can draw fire on, on Biden. I think you're right because he wants nothing more than to not have to attack Trump. But if Biden doesn't get in till September or October, which is fine for him. It's a long time to wait, though. What's he going to do? I mean, what's, what's DeSantis going to do? He can't sit in this position he's in now, kind of mildly fighting back at Trump. Oh, and Trump let's say waylays. And let's agree, this is very mild because the attack ads that his pack put out against Trump are very pathetic. Very mild. I mean, mild, pathetic. I mean, he basically says, "This isn't the Trump that we thought we were voting for. This isn't the Trump that yeah. we had in Trump." Like trying to draw a contrast that way. It's like, oh my god, like that, that's really the most you have. Give me a break. Yeah. All right, your topic now, Brandon. Uh, my topic, I guess I will go to... Yep, Brandon's bringing the book out. Bringing out the notebook to make sure that I do I, not... There might be, the, the drum serenade might be through the entire podcast. Somebody is really putting the, putting the drums down tonight. At yeah, the, that the is music much, school. much louder than usual. <laughs> um, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to the uh, what we've uh, alluded to. There were several shootings this week yeah. that uh wanted to talk about and get into <laughs> so for those that don't know we broadcast from kansas city and kansas city was in the spotlight this week with a very high profile shooting of a 16 year old who was uh picking up his siblings um who were at a friend's house he arrives at the wrong house uh rings the doorbell of the wrong home um the 84 year old homeowner uh comes to the door, shoots him through the uh, storm door with a gun, um, shoots him twice, actually, one time in the head. And uh, this ended up going national very quickly uh, and was soon actually all over the world. Um, And again, I think played into this whole, there's notion of people who have guns who uh, react too quickly and shoot first, ask questions later. There also seems to be a racial component to this. This was a 16-year-old black kid, and this was a 84-year-old white man. Um, The white man's grandson has told the New York Times that this was a guy who literally would watch Fox News daily at high volume and other conservative news um, 24-7, who expressed um, anti-black, homophobic attitudes, Mm -hmm. anti-immigrant attitudes. So it's not difficult to see that that type of environment, that type of media silo would give rise to this type of horrible outcome. Thankfully, the young man did not die. He was hospitalized. He's still alive. He's recovering. Um, There's been a GoFundMe that has raised over $3 million to date. The community has really rallied for him. 
But but again, Craig, it shows the just preponderance of guns, ease yeah. of accessibility of guns. This actually has everything because it has racism. It has guns. It has the age factor where you have competency. Should someone who's that old who yeah. is going to react that way even own a gun in the first place? Should there be mental competency exams annually for gun ownership after you get to a certain age? Especially now that many states um, allow concealed carry with no licensing, sure. no um, qualification. No training, yeah. nothing. So you could be 92 years old, not have to take a competency exam and conceal carry on you. Like, really? Is that the world that the America we live in now? I have a I have some sympathy for the 84 year old dude. Simply you because, have more sympathy than I do. <laughs> yes, I do. And, and there, there's a specific reason for that. With, with my dad's health problems the last year and a half, I've hung out with a lot of people over 80. And I understand that how easy it is to be afraid at that age, how fragile you are when you're in your mid eighties, physically and mentally. Um, I understand not being able to move around enough that you have to sit in a chair all day and just parking it in front of Fox news and just, just having that come at you day after day after day. You you don't watch a lot of Fox news, do you? No. I mean, just clips here and there. I go out of my way to consume (laughs) Fox news if you're 84 years old and on a steady diet of that, you are terrified of everything around you because it's 24-7, nonstop, how you're being screwed and what you should be afraid of. With all of that said, this gentleman's going to have to go to jail for the rest of his life. You, you simply cannot, under any circumstance, fire a gun through a closed door at an individual. I can understand the fear if the door had been open, if they were in yes. an open environment, but that's why I do not have that same level of sympathy because we are talking about an ostensibly locked storm door that he shot him through. It's not like this kid entered the home, which is why, you know, the castle doctrine and standard ground laws don't apply either because people brought those up at first. Um, which by the way, that's a whole nother discussion because I think we've gone way overboard with castle doctrine and standard ground laws because those are used way often now and way too frequently. And that has a much more liberal usage than for example, common self-defense laws but but i think that's that's the issue here is that the fact that this happened and the fact that it was so easily happened and this could happen time and time again and and again we live in a media environment now where we learn about things fairly quickly so you have to put that into context but there were four other incidents this week where people were shot at um, ostensibly by people who were afraid, but again, shot first, asked questions later. Very alarming incidents. The, a young woman in upstate New York um, was turning around in the driveway of the wrong house and ended up being shot and killed, yeah. um, which again, I've done that several times. I mean, who I've hasn't done that? We did that all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then you have um, two cheerleaders who tried to enter the wrong car, um, and one cheerleader was actually a apologizing saying she was sorry as she was shot Uh, so that happened Uh, there was another incident with a um, that just happened yesterday with a a father and a six-year-old daughter playing basketball in their yard the basketball goes in the neighbor's yard the six-year-old goes to retrieve it she's shot by the neighbor um, for crossing into his yard so i guess to me there's kind of three pillars to this one is massive mental illness in this country that i guess we're just going to throw more pills at this and that's what we're going to do we've already decided 
untethered access to guns. That's just going to be how it works. Um, I'll add another one. Two jackasses in Florida got into a shooting match on the highway because one threw a water bottle at the other one. Both had their daughters in in the car. Both girls, one two, one fourteen, end up getting shot. So if we're going to, if those are the two conditions that, I hate to say it, but they just feel like they're baked into the cake right now, right? It feels like it. Those are unsolvable problems that we're not going to address. Then we have to put a third leg in. Crushing punishment for misusing your gun. Absolutely. Just unconstitutional type, severe punishment if you use that gun. I guess that's the only way to do it. We're not going to go that way as as stand your ground laws become more uh, baked in. One of the dudes in Florida didn't even get arrested because it was staying your ground. What? That hey, hey Brady, uh. you threw a water bottle at me out, out of my car. I mean, I'm standing my ground. Now we're shooting at each other. You know, that's insane. It, it, it's crazy. My point here being is we're not going to do that. We're just going to sit and we're just going to sit in this state until I'm not sure. I am convinced there is no single incident that can happen in this country that can shock us out of the gun culture funk we are in. Well, I mean, if Sandy Hook did it, do Sandy it, Hook what didn't would? do it. Nothing is Uvalde going did it to, to it do either. it. Uvalde, none of these didn't do it. So, I mean, if we can see elementary school kids massacred multiple times and that doesn't do it, then what will? <laughs> I guess the answer is don't go as many places. Don't talk to as many people. Assume everybody around you has a gun. Don't know. It doesn't. Well, know isn't how that to what's most it? frightening about these situations? Because these are to. all common situations sure. that could occur to any of us on a daily basis, and you never know who the mental state of the other person on the other side of these situations, and if they have a firearm you know, how they're going to react. And so it's your life is constantly on the line you every just, single day. You have to tell your kids, don't don't talk to people you don't know. Um, for the gentleman who got shot in Kansas City, he was looking for his, his twin brothers. Call them, make them step out of the house. Don't walk up to any house you don't know. I hate to say it, but I, what else do what else can you do? I don't know. It's, it does make me recall, you know, in my days running for office as a politician, you rely on going door to door to solicit votes. And I did have an experience when I was going door to door, only one like really scary experience where there was a guy who was very nasty. Again, this was, and I don't want to typecast or stereotype that it's mostly older white guys, but it's older white guys. This was a guy, older white guy in his like mid to late seventies. And who said, if you don't get off my porch in 30 seconds, I'm bringing my gun out. And he started counting down. dare you step onto my property. I I just stepped on. So of course I hightailed out of there, but I'm like, what frame of mind, just somebody who's knocking on your door, soliciting your vote that you're going to threaten to kill them. I mean, like what? The, The only thing that gives me hope to this and I doubt I'll see it in my lifetime. But when Gen Z, is that the group that's like 18 now? Yeah. Or Y or X or whatever. The Gen hell Z, they are. yeah. When those folks get grabbed the total reins of power, the Second Amendment will not survive. Well, the, the Second Amendment is going to be gutted by Gen Z. I don't know that it'll be gutted, but it definitely will not. We will not have these, what I consider these extreme lenient protections well, that we have now. At one point, the insanity of a society racked with mental illness is given unlimited access to firearms because of what? 24 words written in a doc, 227, 270. That's insane. And when a group of people 
of a certain age grab the reign of power, that insanity is going to be realized and they're going to actually do something about well, it. And so that's what's crazy, Craig, is that we had much more common sense regulations a decade ago, two decades ago, three yes, decades ago. Yes, the we last did. several decades, Republicans and all these state houses have done nothing but roll back any types of licensing requirements, background checks, anything that was a step, an intermediate step as verification they've rolled back so you can have a weapon of any kind at any time concealed any place yeah. no restrictions that's where we are but that it wasn't always like that i mean we most of american history i think it's important to remember we had sensible gun laws that were supported by both parties that had been around for a long time but it shows the extreme polarization of the era we're in where all of a sudden it was just like it got more extreme got to roll this back got to make this more available you know these guns even more accessible well, and there's no I, end to it i had a conversation with a person this week who was taking the tack that the second amendment is needed to fight off the tyranny of the U.S. government, and the Second Amendment is what guarant- the Second Amendment right guarantees all of your other rights. This is a common argument amongst Second Amendment absolutists, we'll call them. And the gentleman got angry with me when I said, "Okay, let, let's think that through. We'd, we can all agree that there are more guns in America and more American-owned guns than ever before. Yeah, there are more guns in the population than ever." And then I asked him. Would you also agree that the United States government is at its most tyrannical? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Went on a 15-minute tirade oh about the forced vaccines, um, the forced woke stuff. Absolutely. So, sir, you just argued yourself out of your primary argument. Because by your logic, there are more guns in the United States than ever before. We should be, the United States government should be the least tyrannical it's ever been. According to your logic... Guns keep the government in check and keep tyranny down. We have more guns than we ever have. And you're also telling me you have more, more, more tyrannical government than the United States has ever been. Well, sir, which is it? It's a logical fallacy. You, you've, you've worked yourself into the corner. Brandon, you've worked on Capitol Hill, correct? Yes. At any point when you were discussing with Senator Moran and his staff a potential piece of legislation, did anybody ever say, whew, we really got to consider how armed the, the people are? No. Never, never came up once. Never came up in a policy. Never. Nothing. It, it, we have, we've grabbed <laughs> on to these things that are so idiotic that we've held on to. We can't even make logical arguments when children are being killed for no reason. For the great sin of knocking on a door, turning it around on a driveway. No, well, and huge swaths of the population just shrug and say, well, that's the price we have to accept for... Doing business. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Until that population physically is no longer on this earth and another group has taken over, that's when that change will be. It probably won't happen significantly in my lifetime because I always thought it would be an incident that sparked the change. We're past that. So now we're just going to have to wait on natural causes to cause a shift in power. That's all there is. And I think the other aspect to this, I don't know what is in the body politic today that wasn't there 20, 30, 40 years ago, where these incidents are becoming much and much more likely, where there's just this pent up rage? Is it the fear? Is it the media environment where people are just so quick to react with violence? I mean, over any slight indiscretion. That's it. I mean, that's what it is because, I mean, and we've seen this play out again, not with guns, but on airplanes. Like it feels like there's this constant, like people are on edge and any little thing will set people off. And you see the most 
over-the-top reactions, yes. excessive force, excessive <laughs> violence. I, this was not commonplace, like, in the not. 80s and 90s. I mean, <laughs> I, I do want to tip my cap to the gentleman changing topics in the viral video on the plane who'd had enough of that kid screaming for 45 minutes and just lost his shit. I heard about this. I did not While, see the video. Yes, sir. You are being an a-hole right now. Every single person that has ever had to sit behind a wallering kid oh, for an entire flight and wants to choke the shit out of their parents for not shutting that kid up, I, I'm right with you, sir. At the same time, put your headphones on, turn your music up, and just what get did this the guy flight. say? I didn't hear the the details. He was like like telling them, "Shut that kid up!" Oh, okay. What he's he's been yelling for an hour, and they're like, "Well, sir, you're now yelling," and like I'm yelling because the kid's yelling. It it. He, he looked like a gentleman on a... We've all been on those business yes. trips. It's day four. It didn't go the way you want. You're flying home. You just need an empty seat by you in 45 minutes apiece. And he got on a crowded flight and a kid was screaming and he just, he just had enough. Was this like a baby or a toddler? Uh, I think it was like a six or eight month old. Okay. Yeah, it was... I mean, because ba- babies crying can get pretty bad, yeah. but I would argue like the two or three year old toddler that shrieks with a high pitch, oh, like... I can, I can That's take care like of that. the worst. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, there is nothing yeah. that comes close to that in terms of... You just of want just to get on the... On the ear on piercing. The, on the communication. Are there any grandmothers on the planet? <laughs> yeah. Any grandmothers that had at least five children or and are over 80 years old? We have a toddler we need you to take care of. That would be enough yeah. for that. Okay, I think it's my topic. My topic is Hunter Biden. Ah, yeah. Back in the news. Hunter's back in the news. One, he took a trip to Ireland with his father, which Republicans just melted down over and thought that was the the worst thing in the planet, that he would be there with his his crackhead uh, uh, prostitute visiting son. Okay? I I guess I can see some – I can see some – all right. If you want to make that argument that he shouldn't be out in public and shouldn't be seen with the president like that, okay. I guess I'll, I'll give you some run with it. Apparently now there's a whistleblower that's come forward in the IRS that Just says the, this, yeah. the, um, the investigation into Hunter's business dealings is not above board and needs to be um, – he, he wants to come and testify to Congress under oath about how this investigation is not being conducted correctly. All I can. What tell are the him, specifics? Like, I, I, that's who, what I don't get. Bring it, bring it. If what does that even mean? Right now, to the Republicans, your history with these whistleblowers not very good. Uh, we're yeah. not afraid of any whistleblower on Team Dim. Please, if if this is anything legitimate, bring it forward, guys. I think we've passed the five year mark of this investigation. You know, as my Bobby used to say, "Shit or get off the pot, folks." If you've got the goods, it's time to deliver. If not, just it's time to wrap this up. James Comer, the uh, the gentleman running Texas congressman, is he from Texas? I think so. He went on CNN the other day and just goes through this complete litany of Biden crime family issues. To which they just look at him and say, "Is any of that illegal?" And he says, "Nope, but it should be." Thank you for your time, sir. We're done. Well, if it should be, that would ensnare Trump too, because let's let, I mean, the Trump family's, you know, ethical entanglements and (laughs) here's again, what, what is so painfully obvious that the Republicans can't see it. Number one, Brandon, as an American citizen, you're used to rich political people especially their children grafting off their name, right? Oh yeah. This That's is this is tale no, as old as this time. is nothing new. Do you get upset by that anymore? 
I, I mean, no. I mean, there, a part of me just expects it. I mean, it's not good, but it's just baked in. Second point. The last president we had, his whole business, his whole family's business was grafting off of his name for money and political power. Yeah. Did the Trump children go around the world collecting money and influence because their dad was president? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So Jared signed this, what, billion-dollar deal? Two billion. With, two billion with while, Saudi Arabia. While Hunter Biden is scummy. And oh, yeah. And it's a little bit scummy that <laughs> if I were Biden— I wouldn't have Hunter around. I, no, I and, and I'm sure I, we know that there was influence peddling there. Of he, course. He leveraged his dad and his dad's name. Why be in the Senate for 50 years? Why be a VP <laughs> if you're not going to tread off that? That's as an American as apple pie. It, it's again, guys, you're exhausting your base. You you keep these narratives going when if you can bring it to a conclusion, it's time to it's time to move on, fellas. Yeah. If you've got the goods, let's see it. If you think you've got the goods, show it. Whatever you've got. I mean, no tease us with these up. just vague no, pronouncements no. without any substance. No. Like, is what's That's the Biden, revelation here? Yeah, Come on. I, hey, if you you keep telling me that the Biden family is the most corrupt family in American political history, show it, bring it, yeah, charge it. Let's go. If you've got it, let's get on with it. The story's getting incredibly boring. Agreed. You got to think of what now, Brandon. <laughs> oh, a next topic. Uh. Your allergies Gosh. are doing pretty good. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I sound. I noticed like three episodes ago, I was just a sniff machine. Like every time you say something, you end it with a giant sniff. So this is relatively minor, but uh, SpaceX didn't go uh, off as planned. Uh, that was a little bit of a disaster embarrassment. Exploded, for those that weren't following. Kind of uh, very representative, I think, of what's happening with Twitter and Elon Musk. Other oh, that's right. We did, we got to discuss. It's four twenty. Twitter checkmark day. Oh yeah, that's right. Who? Uh, <laughs> what's four twenty's most famous birthday? Hitler was born on four twenty. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. I, I don't think Hitler that. was a stoner or a dope smoker. No. He was joined on 420. Hitler was actually notoriously sober. He did not drink alcohol, yeah. did not smoke, did not have any vices. Until they got him on that meth. <laughs> when, they, when the Nazis cooked up the Nazi meth, allegedly Hitler had been on that for years. And if he had, Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. Hitler did not drink. You're right. When he yeah. was coming up through the ranks, he was, he was absolutely a teetotaler yep. and really laid the law down and didn't like people who were, who were drink. This is going to age me, but do you remember back in the 90s, early 2000s, when it was common for those like chain emails to go around with like little anecdotes and people would yeah. send them and forward yeah. them and forward them? So there's one of those where it was describing Hitler and how he <laughs> did it drink, was married to one woman, did a cavort, blah, blah, blah. And then and here was this other guy who uh, drank excessively, yeah. smoked excessively, converted with women. One of those was Winston Churchill. The other was Adolf yeah. Hitler. Like it was this whole – it was supposed to make you think about like, you know. Allegedly, <laughs> Hitler never looked at another woman. Yeah. If he met Abel what I've heard. He was completely and faithful with to her. her. Yeah. Love dogs. You know? Norm MacDonald has a great comedy bit about Hitler. It, it's basically like he's just learning about him the first time. It, it's pretty good. Huh. But we somehow we were starting to talk about Twitter and got yes. on Hitler. Blue check I think that was day. my fault. You never had a blue check mark, did you? I never did, no. You gonna pay for one now? I, I am not. I, I mean I don't have any interest because it doesn't really mean anything other than your ability to pay for one. So I'm like, why like I I'm just I don't, not I'm I don't not into understand. That. So you and I hung out in the software business for a while. In sixty days, he Elon Musk managed to 
not only kill a product launch, he made the user base make it hip not to want the product. Right. If you tried to do that, incredible, (laughs) it would be it would be difficult. Have you noticed too with with Twitter? One thing I see a lot of: if you're not if you're not certified now, the reach of your tweets is very limited. Yeah, you're you're going oh, yeah. to, you're going to start getting your your reach cut down. My if you feed don't pay has completely chat. changed in terms yeah, of the people too. I used to see, and so that's been a frustrating thing. And do you get for ads? All I get is Carnival Cruise Lines. I get and a lot of those. Too. Do, you, do, you, do you get the bird feeder ad that the bottom twirls? So when the squirrels get on it, they can't get your bird feed. I've seen that a couple times. Yeah, I see that one like nine times a, a day. I, yeah. I think. Twitter is just fascinating that Elon Musk bought this thing. I don't think he had any idea what, what he, he was bought. doing. No. He has tried some ways to monetize that have completely failed. And what I would like Twitter to be is a place with all blue check news feeds. Yeah. I would definitely would pay eight to 11 bucks a month to go somewhere. So instead of paying for an individual subscription to the Washington Post, New York Times, Oh, LA I would Times, totally like choose that. to get my news from yeah. there, real time. And that's what Twitter really became yeah. known for was that real-time news co- content curated by outlets. But see, instead, Twitter's gone the way of labeling like NPR, yeah. state-sponsored sponsor, news. That's what and, instead of paying those, you paid the subscription to Twitter. Yeah. Twitter had a back-end deal with something. They, they gave some money over to them. And then you could say, you have all the national media outlets that you want, that you curate, the ones that you want, right. you have their certified feed right here. And his his talk track about citizen journalism and democratizing journalism, that that's that's crap. That's not what people want out of Twitter. That's what I'm actively trying to avoid. Yeah. I'm actively trying to avoid my neighbor's act of journalism by seeing what he thinks about this particular topic. Right. And there should be a way that you could segment Twitter's newsfeed off from anything else. If you don't want to dick with anything on Twitter, you should be able to say, just show me the news stuff and I don't want to see anything else. Yeah, that seems so simple, but yeah, there's no mechanism for that. And I heard too that Twitter also, you know, it doesn't have the big of install base because it's all text base. Kids want to post pictures, videos. That's why my kids are yeah. 21 and 23. They're not on, they're not on Twitter. And it's just driving the news media off of it. I saw SCOTUS blog today, which is like the go-to blog for for SCOTUS decisions. They've said, we're done on Twitter. Several have, yeah. So, yeah, I don't – it feels like Twitter is six months away from cratering or doing – or something, something completely different than what it is now. Which will be interesting to watch because I think if that does happen, I expect that there will be an alternative that pops up to do exactly what you said because there is a market for that. Yeah. Last topic I've got is I want to talk about the size of the United States military as it pertains to Russia and China. I'm I'm quickly developing a theory, Brandon, that for any political issue, if somebody can't describe the size and shape of the issue, they're gaslighting you. Yeah. Here's, here's, Here's some numbers about the United States military that I found incredibly interesting. We talk about Fifth-generation fighters. These are the real fancy Top Gun fighters that fight air, land, sea, the, the real complicated ones, you know. Russia, I think they estimated, had about 60 or 70 of those. China has about 220 of these fifth-generation fighters. Get Take a guess how many we have. Oh, gosh, I don't know, 100? Between the F-22 and the F-35, we have 1,300. 
Oh, wow. Okay. 1,300. We have a new aircraft carrier. It's kind of new. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to come off as a military expert here. I am repeating things that I've heard. A Ford-class aircraft carrier, fully decked out, could defeat how many nations complete air forces, Brandon? Our one carrier against your whole air force. How many air forces would beat that carrier? 80? Six. And one of them is the United States. Wow. How many of those do we have? Four. We have, I think, 13 other older carrier groups. Okay. The United States, when we left Afghanistan, do you know why Britain didn't stay? They couldn't. We are the only country that has the C-130 lift capability. We can put 100,000 people in combat anywhere in the world within 24 hours. We are the only military that, can do that, that. has that capability. I, I give you these numbers to keep in perspective because if you watch Fox every day, the countdown's on until we get conquered by the Chinese. Yeah. Every day, the clock's ticking until there's a war in Taiwan and we are completely incapable of defending ourselves or mounting a, a military response. That is just absolutely untrue. Well, I don't watch Fox like you do, but last <laughs> week when I was in Ohio for work, I flipped on my hotel TV and I decided to just check out how they were covering the hacker situation. Yeah. And it was like 24-7 nonstop coverage of how Biden has made us weaker, but they could they couldn't say how or mm. specifics, how China is playing us and China is meeting with all these other nations, which by the way, like these are regular diplomatic meetings. I mean, Chinese leaders meet with heads of other countries all the time. But because there were several that were happening in a uh, much condensed time frame, Fox News was trying to create the narrative that somehow this was because of Biden and because of our weakness. Uh, China was having all these discussions and we were being sidelined. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was the whole uh, narrative. And it was fascinating to me that even talking about the hacker, it was all from the standpoint of, well, yeah, like the hacker shouldn't have done this. But he did expose that um, Ukraine is a disaster and what we're doing is a disaster and we haven't been able to move the needle. It was this yeah. whole... I mean, other narrative, again, other reality in terms of trying to paint a picture that, that wasn't true about trying to tie us as being weak. And it was just, it was incredible to see this because there were different points, especially on Hannity's show with his guest, where, I mean, some of the things that were being said were directly contradicted moments later. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I mean, I, when it comes to U.S. military, I'm fortunate enough to have a friend who retired as a full colonel of the Air Force. So when I have questions, I can ask him and he can generally. <clears throat> break it down into terms that I can understand. If you don't have a friend who was a colonel in the Air Force, David French is a conservative. He was a JAG officer in the 90s, I believe. Very intelligent, yeah. Very intelligent. Lots of military experience. He, he is excellent at explaining how the military works. And you can follow him on and Twitter. And I, he has a podcast, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And he does some dispatch work. Yeah. I think too. My point being is that there's nothing here to fear. It's not that we don't need to keep our eye on the military budget, but the size and shape of the United States military is massive and it dwarfs most other military operations. And yes, if the Chinese try to take Taiwan, it will be a sea battle. And the United States has the absolute most dominant Navy, deep water Navy in the world. And we're Without in as good a shape as we can be in military. Maybe the, the solution to this isn't so much military. It's actually talking and figuring out what, what we could do.
Yeah, being strategic about it. Absolutely. Do you think China takes Taiwan in the next five years or attempts it? I, you know, I'm conflicted. I don't know. I mean, the level of aggression right now is kind of unprecedented. So I am nervous about the, you know, the exercises that are being done in the South sure. China Sea and um, some of the statements. There was a, a leaked draft document out of the um, uh, the Chinese um uh, People's Congress, the you know basically mm-hmm. the arm of the state, where there were several leaders named who targeted for assassination, including several of Taiwan's top leaders, which again seems like an unforced error, not something you would typically see out of China. So I, gosh, I don't know. I, I I don't think I don't think where the situation stands that they would go in tomorrow and attack Taiwan, but I believe there could be some event that would set them off to where they would say, okay, that's it, we've lost our patience, now we're going to go in. Is it? Is it their military aggression that's pissing us off, or is it their economic aggression? Because, hey, if you want to start a scrap with us, China, I'm, I'm down with, I think our military can can hold its own. Well, I agree. And I think it's both. But I do think President Xi is set apart from other prior uh, Chinese leaders in that he's very nationalistic. He has a very uh, bellicose worldview in terms of China's place in the world. And so I think his approach is different than what we've seen in the past from China because he very much wants to make a mark with his presidency as well. So I I think that he is more likely to do something that we would not have seen done, you know, many years ago, 10, 20 years ago, because um, he sees it in a much different view than, than others do. I mean, he is one of those who's ultra traditionalist. Um, I mean, if you follow the crackdowns in Hong Kong and uh, Macau, some of these former semi-autonomous regions, like all of these have been at, you know, coordinated by him at his direction uh, over the past couple of years. So I, I do think part of it is who's in charge. But if you want to hurt the United States, it's not a battle with our military. If you can replace the the dollar as the world's default currency, oh yeah, and there's now that's a problem. That's a problem, and China apparently is attempting to do that. Now that's easier said than done. I mean, that's something that would take years to do, and that's not going to happen overnight. But China does have a direct interest in you know, finding or creating an yeah. alternative to well, American currency. Again, I'm out of my depth here as an as an economist, but. I'm pretty sure it's the U.S. dollar traded worldwide and basically is the worldwide currency is what allows us to borrow as much as we borrow. Oh, completely. And if we lost that standing, our whole economic approach would have to change. Yeah. And it doesn't mean our economic system would collapse, but it would – our position in the world as a world superpower would change overnight. It It wouldn't wouldn't be as good. No. Without a doubt. It would be somewhat like, you know, the the way the sun set on the British Empire. The Great Britain isn't what it was in the 1950s or 60s. I liked your, your minute pod on Finland and people, I mean, if you just look up Finland's military capabilities, they're pretty badass. Very badass, especially for Europe. I mean, the number of reservists that they have, 215,000 out of yeah. a population of 5.5 million, the equipment, the artillery. One thing I've neglected to mention because there's so much in that pod I did was that they also have extensive petroleum reserves as yeah. well. So True. they can help make up the shortfall of uh, Russia, uh, Russian natural gas and oil uh, for NATO and f- countries, especially with those reserves. So there's a lot that Finland brings to the table, and that's why it is much more significant them joining NATO than any other country over the past couple of decades. I like when the Finland's uh, prime minister said, hey, in you know, 1915-16, the last time you guys, you know, breached our border, we put 300,000 of you in the ground. Yeah. Anytime you think you're ready— Give it another shot. 
Right. We have more. Finland has more artillery than I think Germany and France combined. Out of they're, necessity, when you have an eight hundred, when you have an eight hundred thirty mile border with Russia, yes. I mean, you have to <laughs> be prepared because you know at some point in time in history, it doesn't matter if they're the Russian Empire, or the Soviet Union, they're coming across that border in some way. That's right. They just can't. If you know the history of Russia, they just can't help themselves. No. Did we miss any big topics? The only thing that I kept kept thinking of was the Tennessee Three. I thought, didn't we talk about that the prior week, week before that? I think we did did. a little bit, yeah. How about the Tennessee GOP? I saw another guy resign, a guy resigned today because he was uh, harassing interns. And they're all after the the, the speaker there, that Sexton fella. Yeah. They're not going to let go until they force two or three more of those folks to to resign from the Tennessee. I I think so. And if you saw, if you heard the leaked audio from when the House GOP leaders in Tennessee were conferring about this, I mean, it's crazy talk. They're talking about how if they don't uh, basically um, expel these lawmakers and it's going to, it's world war, like we're in this war, battle for ideas. I mean, you would think that they're relitigating the civil war with the type of talk that they have oh we didn't mention well one thing kind of made me think of that um oklahoma i was just thinking about that (laughs) god what what got me about the tennessee that guy ends that with just how you could feel it dripping out of him i have to walk the halls with that guy that these people are not they're not of my caliber they're they're the other they shouldn't be here the halls of power in tennessee were not built for those people Oh, if you saw how he was talking uh, down to one of those lawmakers, I mean, it sounded like something out of the 1950s, like saying, you know, in the next time you should behave this way. I mean, it was just, it was very condescending. And in Oklahoma, there's a sheriff's department, I guess, who just wants to lynch black people and hire assassins to kill reporters. So for those that have followed this story, it's in McCurtain County, which, you know, to be honest, I don't know where that is in Oklahoma, um, but... This county, county commissioners with the sheriff were caught on audio um, just bemoaning the fact that you can no longer lynch black people, that they have all these rights, these, what they refer to as special rights. Um, they also talked about reporters that they wanted to assassinate and how to do it um, and where the bodies could be hid um, as well. Like, I mean, pretty outrageous, crazy stuff. So the governor has called for them to resign. I believe one of the county commissioners has resigned, but none of the rest have. The sheriff's department put out a statement on Facebook where they basically said they were going to go after the leaker with everything that they had. Uh, But again, no apologies, no stepping down because we don't do that anymore in America. Can't the governor just say, you're done? I would think so. I think the governor could directly intervene. I mean, we've if this was to Florida and DeSantis, you would absolutely believe yeah. he would intervene because he does. And I get a governor being very leery about stepping into local county yeah. stuff. I, I mean, mean, it's that, not But common. this is a little bit of a special case. Agreed. Brendan, how do you... How do you... I'm trying to think this through. So there, there's one side of me, again, because I do consume a lot of Fox and other <coughs> conservative media that... The talk of racism in America is completely overblown. This is a narrative by the left. We are one of the least racist countries in the world, and we would all do better if we could just just stop some of this conversation. And I do believe there are parts of that that are true. How do you justify that or think about this on a weekly basis when shit like this just happens time after time time after time? How How do you balance those two things out? I mean, you can. And I think, going back to Fox for a second, so um, 
when what happened over the weekend in Kansas City with a six-year-old that was shot at the doorstep unfolded on Monday, that was the top news item across most major media outlets' websites, except for Fox News. I went to their website. It was not on the homepage at all on Monday. Will Cain said there was nothing racist about that at all. <laughs> I mean, you're 84. You see a big guy rattling your door. Uh, what what was his reasoning then? What, well, I mean, uh, what what was that guy supposed to do? Wait for that guy to come in and assault him? I mean, Brandon, is that what he actually said? Like, yes, oh my god, that's what he said. I mean, because again, Brandon, in the world we're living in, it's no response or I shoot you. I guess it's just yeah. There's no the idea in of asking you, hey, what do you want? Why are you here? For those of us we that operate in the that. real world, that grew nah. up always thinking that you nah. always you ask first before you shoot. And like, I'm sorry. If that was a white kid, he would not have shot. No, him. and this was a predominantly white neighborhood. Yes, too. come on, that, that that's just a joke. Yeah, that would not have happened. Though. I don't know. It's been the last couple of weeks. There's been a couple of times you just scratch your head and say, like, are we are we just coming apart? Is this the it beginning feels like of it. the? It feels like the unraveling of, the of America is really what it is. Brandon, I finally found a TV show I like. Oh, you did? So we've talked before that star Trek is completely dominant and a better product than star Wars. That's which I don't agree. star Trek actually deals with people and political struggle. And star Wars is about mythical creatures and, and magic. They're just, they're just two completely separate things. So star Trek's been in a bit of a slump and one yeah. of their primary shows were Picard. Picard, where yeah, was... Picard is one of the, the core characters of the next generation. First season was pretty good. Second season was just an absolute pile of dog shit. The third season, they have somehow pulled off the complete uh, nostalgia season of bringing back the entire cast, fighting all the old enemies, and it wraps up tonight, and it has been perfect. From a oh, Star wow. Trek fan and from somebody, again, Grew up in the 90s when the when they kind of reestablished themselves. And in an era where I guess all new ideas are off the table, all movies are remakes. They're like remaking Lilo and Stitch and Moana now. Yeah, gonna live make action. Because again, yeah. we can't come up with an idea, I guess, for a new film. <laughs> no. In an era that's dominated by that. And when you see it, you just want to say, ah, oh, shit. They're just going to destroy something I've liked since I was, I was a kid. They have done a magnificent job with it. So congratulations, though, folks. The, the series ends incredibly well. Okay. I'll have to keep that in mind. I, I've not got back into Star Trek in a while. So well, that's... first, dump anything with Star Wars. Just drop that because that's just all stupid childish bullshit. Oh, I cannot dump Star Wars. I grew up as a Star Wars kid. That's not going to happen. Brandon, there are nine core Star Wars movies, correct? Yes. Okay. That's uh, what's considered the Jedi, of those, the Skywalker saga. Of those nine. There's also spinoffs. How many of them have the exact same plot where big weapon, blow up planet? One, two, I give you that there's some redundancy. Three, four. Four. Because <laughs> I count the last one. Because they just took the, the Death Stars, now the Death Ships. The Death Star always comes back, right? They always build well, a new one. And it it's always been gets two up. Death Stars, <laughs> a Death Planet, and then Death Ships. So... I mean, it's not that hard. Uh, several of the movies are derivative, especially the new ones. They're derivative of the original. I, I give you that. But there's also a nostalgic factor. Um, I do not have anything new. The last, actually, I saw a movie. <laughs> You're doing nothing enjoyable right now. Well, no, I did see uh, 
the Pope's Exorcist in the theaters last weekend. Uh, is that any good? It's okay. I mean, it's it's like your classic like Exorcist devil. Russell Crowe is a priest. He's a that, priest in the movie. That's a bit of a stretch for me. He he is kind of interesting as a priest because he plays this like sarcastic, like renegade priest who's like yeah. on a motorcycle on a Vespa. There like. you go. Anyway, um, it's entertaining. I'll give you that. So it's worth seeing. Um, I'm reading a book now that's really interesting called Untouchable: How Powerful People Get away with it so that's by um ellie honig who used to be the former assistant uh prosecutor for the southern (laughs) district of new york he prosecuted a lot of the big mafia families in the late 90s Mm -hmm. early 2000s so he relates his uh, experience prosecuting uh, mafia bigwigs with the trump investigation into this narrative of why and how powerful people are so difficult to prosecute and uh, I'm just started it, so I'm less than a third of the way through. But it is fascinating from an attorney's perspective what he's dealt with and some of the anecdotes. You know why? Also, Star Wars, Star Trek is way better than Star Wars. Why Everybody is that? in Star Trek's horny. Everybody <laughs> started with Captain Kirk. Then you got Riker. Everybody's getting laid in Star Trek. Is there a single sexual relationship in Star Wars? I mean, there, you have no Han Solo and not. Princess Leia. You oh, know. please. You have several. My point is... It's but about, not to the extent of like no, in Star Trek. No. Star it's Trek is a little real. bit more adult, you know, yes. in that aspect. I'll give you that, yeah. I just was thinking about that, so I wanted to, okay. wanted to get that in there. So. Yeah, you seem like you'd been sitting on that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. So, Well, it's 420, so I guess, you know, no, we've, good got time to, to wrap we've got to end this and go from here. <laughs> Apparently, there's some big monster... Pot smoking fest in Kansas City today with like Wiz Khalif and well, other Well, there was one over here. the weekend too. There was, uh, what was it called over the weekend? They had a big. Are they building some Stony River walk or some stuff uh, about pot consumption in Kansas City? I, I don't know. There's been a lot though in terms of festivals and events. Next so. Thursday is the NFL draft. Yeah. The city of Kansas City is going to be a complete shit show. It will. Stay away from downtown. Yes. You don't have to be there. They it's think there be could crazy. be 500,000 people here for that. Oh my gosh. It, it's going to be. Are you going down for any of that? Um, no, I'll probably just watch it on TV. I don't know that yeah. I want to mess with the traffic. It is exciting, though, to see this yeah. in our town. We've never had this. And this is coming on the heels of a lot of great things. So, like, we uh-huh. have a new airport that just opened, yep. NFL Draft 2024. We have the World Cup. I mean, yeah, talk about true. the crowds we're going to have in Kansas City for that. That's yeah. going to be insane. So it's it's an exciting time it's to It's going to be a good time being in Kansas City. Absolutely. All right, that's our hour. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for listening to Two Men in the Middle. Make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our website at twomeninthemiddle.com. Drop us an email at twomeninthemiddle at gmail.com or tweet at us at Two Men in the Middle. We'll see you next week.